Hey there. It is the CHGO Fire Podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. I am Pat McCraney. I am not in studio. I'm at home. He's Alex Campbell. He's also at home. Say hi, Alex. A little different this week? A little different. We had to switch things up because yesterday was the big uh, Garrick Heights news conference. Uh, Alex was calling golf all week. He does have other interests outside of this people. He's a golf announcer and he's very good at it. Uh, and he does not work for uh, any, uh, how shall we put it? Uh, shady outfits. It's a no. pretty straightforward operation he's got going there. Um, and then we wanted to, because this is the, the, the MLS trade deadline is one hour, actually 59 minutes from now, there's a transfer deadline. So if they wanted to bring in an international player, they could do that. There's another few hours to do that. But uh, my sources are telling me it doesn't look like the fire are going to bring in anybody uh, by the trade deadline. Uh, they were looking for like a number three center back. They didn't want to tie up the cap too much because they're pretty tied up against the cap. So they wanted to try to find a number three center back, somebody who's maybe not as good as Amsberg or Tehran, but is better than Mauricio Pineda in that position. They are not finding that right now. So and that's really time. specific. Yeah, that's yeah. like a very tight window you're trying <laughs> to get in there. And we don't exactly know how long Carlos Tehran is going to be out. Like it's Four weeks. last time. Yeah. Four weeks is the it's number last that time Mike Osberg is going to be gone. Right, um, right. This is going to get back interesting, though. Again, we get kind of into the carousel of who plays center back. I mean, Pineda probably is the guy there with Jimenez in midfield. Yep. I asked Pineda Ezra that yesterday. He confirmed Pineda. Yeah. So it's going to be uh, it's probably going to be Maori there for for the, the time being. But yeah, it's it's now we're on our what third player playing alongside Rafa Shihas this season. So it's going to be interesting. And the in the Tehran interview uh, uh, injury is again the hamstring. You'll remember this is the thing that he had at the beginning of the season, which is why Wyatt Amsberg won the job to begin with. And he's got this again. So I, I, it seems like maybe a chronic thing for him. Maybe it's maybe I'm reading too much into it, and it's just a freak thing that he got again. But um, not good when, when that went down. He was crying on camera, from what I'm told. We were at I was at the stadium. I didn't see this because I'm far away in the press box. And Alex, you probably had some beers and maybe didn't notice, but on TV, you could see that he was crying. So he was also just at the other end of the field. I was sitting in the North end of the stadium. And mm -hmm. so like, you can see that he was clearly in some pre in some serious pain and in some significant distress, but it wasn't the sort of situation where it was obvious just how bad it was yeah. from where I was sitting. The odd thing too, and we'll talk about this in a different context later, but I went to, uh, I think at halftime of the Red Stars game, I popped in and the fire were doing this um, autograph signing in the U United Club during the Red Stars game. Um, and Carlos was there taking photos, kissing babies, like super charismatic, super excited, walking just fine. But a hamstring is a weird thing. You can you can sometimes walk just fine, and but you can't explosively run like you would need to to be a, a professional center back. So um He's up and he's moving, unlike uh, Amsberg, who's still kind of got the little scooter for his leg. Um, but uh, but yeah, both of those guys are now out. We're down to Mauricio Pineda, which which takes away from the depth in midfield because Mauricio had done a very nice job in midfield, I thought, when Gaston was out, um, just as he did earlier this season when Federico Navarro was out. Yeah, this might kill uh, your Mauricio Pineda fun stat because the Mauricio Pineda stat was only fun in that it was kind of showing that he was the fire were better with him in that position that gassed on Jimenez. And, and now they're going to both be on the field, which means you're not going to be able to draw very much from it. And the fire to your point are very, very thin now at both center back and in those defensive midfield spots. So definitely going to be a challenge as this team continues to float just below the playoff line. And we'll talk more later in the show about how crucial their next game is and how that picture will continue to shake out. But we do have, Pat, yeah. is it fair to say this is the biggest news story for the fire this year and in quite some time? Yeah, I, I think this is bigger than signing signing Jerdan Chakiri, which you would argue is the biggest news story of the year previously. This is a this is, I think, the biggest transfer in club history. It's outgoing, uh, but it is the biggest transfer. It, it's it's absolutely massive. 18-year-old goalkeeper Gagas Lonina. Uh oh, look at the timing, Lawrence. Lawrence does the I didn't, you know. You can't ask for better. I'm here that. for you guys, you know. And, and you know what? You know, Gaga, this is a good start. And somebody must have told him to do this. And this is a good way, you know, with 
with the English fans, it doesn't matter what club you're signing for. You always have to be very careful to be cognizant of avoiding getting commented for anything silly. Matt Turner did a good job of this. When mm-hmm. he signed for Arsenal, he didn't sign a Spurs shirt. Yes, Check out I the love way that. Honored is spelled at the start of this. Tweet. I noticed this. <laughs> Gaga knows what he's doing there. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's very very uh, a nice little touch. Um, and uh, it's he he did a video um, for the fire where he basically thanked a bunch of people. It was very very touching video. I wrote a letter to him, like not to him, but to Chelsea supporters, letting them know who you're getting in this guy. And it's more than just, you know, he, he's more than just a really, really talented goalkeeper prospect. He's a really, really talented goalkeeper prospect who happens to be a really good dude. Who's incredibly hardworking. Ezra pointed out yesterday that Gaga is almost always, and Georg backed this up too, almost always the first player there. He's in the weight room before everybody else. He's at the training ground before everybody else. And he stays later than everybody else. I've noticed this in the locker room too. He sits around sometimes and just waits. Um, just being a part of the, uh, you know, the, a part of the um, experience of, of the post game, whether it's a win or a loss, even at the, I wrote the, the, the story after the Columbus game about the, the negative locker room vibe and, and Gaga was there. He was almost like, soaking in the loss so he would know that feeling and not want to have that feeling again he he didn't want to run from it he wanted to take it head on and you know he's he's with what we saw with john duran this week making a, a misstep um where he said that he you know doesn't want to play here anymore to somebody on instagram um and it got picked up by alex calabresi and blown up because you cannot get things by him um it, it is interesting that these two are the same age and you know, Gaga would never do that. And the, the more normal thing for an 18 year old who's frustrated and who gets fouled a lot and hasn't been playing as much as he would like is to sort of lash out on social media. Gaga, this, you forget that Gaga's 18. You forget that he's a kid because he just doesn't do kid stuff. So if he does get to London and he does do something stupid, we can't forget that he's just a kid, but I don't think he will. I think he'll no, get I there don't either. I think, yeah. you know, we, he, he's shown that he is incredibly mature for his age. Gaga's kind of mm-hmm. been on this path for a while. He was the youngest signing in the history of major league soccer at age 14. When he signed to that first professional deal that has since been eclipsed by a few people, but no one else who's in that kind of realm in recent years has, you know, absorbed all that attention and pressure, I think, as well as as Gaga has. And the fact that the fire have not been particularly good on the field has also opened some doors. It's allowed them to, you know, take a bit of a risk by last year when Gaga is, you know, only 16 and then 17 years old, allowing him to play some minutes. And now this year, having an 18 year old be their their first choice, number one starter. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. The loan back is only for the rest of this season, which means if the fire want him back next year, they're going to have to go through the allocation order, something a lot of teams are struggling with today. I think Toronto FC basically forgot it existed when they were like, oh, yeah, let's just bring Richie Larea back in on loan, not realizing they needed about like five other things to happen for them to be allowed to do that. So that could get a little complicated in the offseason unless the fire totally go in the tank and end up in last place in the league or down there and it's easier to trade around. So that might be complicated and a bit costly to bring him back next year. I think that'd be great if he stuck around because certainly he's not going to be playing for the Chelsea first team anytime soon. But given all the question marks and all the challenges that a situation like this presents, I think Gaga being so level-headed puts him in a position to be as well situated and prepared for everything that's going to come his way next as he possibly could be. I I actually think that, I kind of hope that Gaga doesn't come back and it would, you know, selfishly, it would be great to have him back, but I kind of hope for his development that he goes to a, you know, he does a, a Chelsea loan thing like, like Chelsea loves to do. And he goes to a smaller club or maybe he really does compete for like the number two job and, and gets Carling cup games or Carabao cup games or whatever that's called now. Um, I, I, I kind of hope. And then I, I, from the fire standpoint, I hope they give the, shot to Chris Brady. Um, yeah, know. that that's the obvious thing is to yeah. just transition that. Um, something we'll have to talk about down the stretch. I think we're going to touch on this later is the fire being in the playoff chase keeps that uncomplicated. As long as the fire are prioritizing, trying to win every game, Gaga's the number one, but we'll talk later. Yeah. 
at what point does this get weird maybe about mm -hmm. who what makes the most sense for the fire but an awesome huge huge move for gaga you know you mentioned 10 million dollars potential to rise to 15 biggest outgoing club transfer in history i believe it's the second biggest sale of an mls teenager only to alfonso davies that's, that's a pretty small club of guys davies i believe was like 13 to rise to 20. um so this is not a dissimilar deal what was peppy's i can't remember do you remember off the top oh, of your so head? that's gonna be third biggest you're right because peppy was like 20 million yeah to, uh, to augsburg because augsburg paid way over the odds and interestingly peppy and gaga have the same agent a guy named jaime from uh I believe from spain um, Who did not get age. what he wanted here? Uh, he he was acting very happy on social media yesterday. Jaime wanted the bigger agent check from Real Madrid uh, on a <laughs> peanuts transfer fee. This is more than three times what Real Madrid reportedly offered. Like this is this isn't even comparable. I, we agree it's a better situation for Gaga despite yeah. Pat's Arsenal allegiances. So yeah, we'll wait and see. And it it is kind of nice that after weeks of waiting much like Gaga's national team decision, although this hasn't seemed to have affected him personally as much in terms of how he's like dealing with all the pressure. It's nice to have this settled and now his focus could be squarely on his soccer. It's got to be insane for him. It's just absolutely got to be insane to be an 18 year old kid. The other day, yeah. signed some paperwork, took a few pictures with a Jersey and got on a plane back to Chicago. And now yeah, I, I, a soccer game this week. I texted the guy at the fire and he's like, you know, he's back. He's going to play this weekend. I'm like, come on, man. Like this, this kid, it, it's got to be insane. What a whirlwind. And, and, you know, I, I don't think this will affect him. I, I wrote earlier this season that um, if the U S men's national team needed to start him at Azteca, and I'm not joking here, I would feel okay with that. Maybe he's not the best choice, but I would trust him with that responsibility that's how much uh faith i have in this guy so um unbelievable for him unbelievable for the fire they've got to be excited and, and i'm happy that the fire when the right offer came and it was right for gaga and it was right for the club they didn't you know try to hold this up it, it's it's it is mls's place to let gaga go be a top five league goalkeeper so um good for everybody involved yeah, one note, somebody who doesn't seem to think this is a perfect situation, I actually, earlier today, listened to an interview that U.S. men's national team coach Greg Berhalter did with Paul Tenorio of The Athletic, and uh, the question I think Paul posed was kind of about balancing the possible options that, you know, for the third goalkeeper spot yeah. on the World Cup squad between Sean Johnson, Ethan Horvath, even a guy like Gaga, and Berhalter made it pretty clear that his preference is for players to do more like what Brandon Aronson is doing, where go to a club where you're going to play constantly, max out your level there, and then take the step to the next thing and climb that way, rather than going to the huge club and having to fight your way through the bureaucracy. And, and I think we'd all probably agree that that's a perfect world, but of course the caveat here is, and I think we've talked about this on the show, Pat, there's only a few clubs in the world that can pay eight figures for a teenage <laughs> goalkeeper. There's like five teams that can justify that in their budget. Chelsea's one of them. So if Gaga's going to go, it's again, it's like when Alfonso Davies went to Bayern. When he was going to move, there was only a couple of clubs that were going to be able right. to foot that bill. And so you kind of got to pick your poison with the super clubs here and hope that wherever Gaga ends up likely on loan is a situation in the league where he's going to be guaranteed minutes and he's going to be at a level that's low enough, so to speak, that it's he's not out of his depth, but high enough that it's not a waste of his time, doesn't see his development stall. That makes perfect sense. And I, I hope it works out. I, I did ask Ezra yesterday. Um, so let's say Gaga starts for Chelsea against Arsenal and, and Ezra's a gigantic Arsenal fan. I'm like, let's say a guy you know starts against Arsenal for uh again uh for chelsea and ezra said i love gaga but i love arsenal more and that that touched me and, and lawrence i feel like that probably made you feel warm and fuzzy inside too to hear I such a thing love it. i just yeah. love it oh my gosh you know it is finally time that i think we should talk about that beautiful jersey behind your right shoulder and my hat it's an henri 14 because of course it is oh, Ooh, yeah the, naturally 
my yeah. guy. You know, tomorrow's the Premier League opener. It is. Hopefully it is. it'll be better than Brentford, which I was just reminded of last night when I watched Arsenal All or Nothing on Amazon Prime. It is out now. First three episodes just dropped. So I haven't dived in yet, but that's gonna happen later today. Am I gonna I'm gonna be angry? That was not a well, good time. I was mad. Yeah, yeah. I was mad when I, you know, they were just kind of going through the first three matches when they, of course, went uh lost two nil, lost what, two nil, and then lost five nil. Brentford, Chelsea, and Man City. Yeah. For the record, I think Arsenal is going to finish above Chelsea in the league this year. I've got Chelsea outside the top four in Good. fifth just because I think out. they're going to be – I think it's going to take, with the status of Chelsea's squad and everything, I think it's going to take them a few months to, like, figure out what they're doing. And, you know, you just, you just can't take – you just can't have a month or two where you stumble with how strong the top of the Premier League is. So – I have both Spurs and Arsenal getting into the top four this year. I think Gabriel Jesus is going to be a really, really good piece of business. I hope so. But, you know, Arsenal was literally bottom of the league after three matches, and I thought, oh, this team's terrible. And they did, should have finished top four. They should have finished top four, and then they pooped down their pants in the last three matches. Okay. What do you got for Anyway, you know what? Uh, Gary Heights talked yesterday to the media for the first time in, in, I think, since... The Shakiri transfer was the last time he he spoke to the media. So it, it had been He's a while. He's been an elusive man. And I will say, from a uh, PR standpoint, scheduling it right after the announced sale of Gaga was probably better timing for the club than scheduling it after, like, the Columbus match when I wanted him fired. So, um, yeah, probably. <laughs> Well done, PR team. Um, but uh, there, there were a lot of national writers on the call, and, and obviously Gaga was, you know, the, the hot topic and everybody wanted to know. But um, we also asked some other questions. Um, we asked about transfers. Uh, he didn't uh, think it was – he said maybe, but uh, it's a tough market yesterday, so that seems to be the same thing I'm hearing from the club today. Um, by the way, about uh, as we record this live, about another 40 minutes left. Um, but you know, things could change. Um, I do have Twitter open. So if uh, Tom Bogert comes through here and throws some sort of bomb, really, if we get any, if we get any really interesting MLS news fire or otherwise, while this podcast is going, we'll at least mention it. Yeah. Um, but awesome. It looks like the, the craziest stuff is over. Uh, Ricky Pouge to LA galaxy from Barcelona, Matt Miazga, yep. not official yet, but is going to FC Cincinnati. Those seem to be like the two, the two biggest things we're going to see today. Is he going on loan to FC Cincinnati from Chelsea or is that? No, as I understand it, is it is experiment a finally over. It is a permanent transfer. Yeah, I, I think it's hilarious. Like I, uh, this is an aside, but I had some fun asking some other soccer fan friends a couple months ago. What club uh, is Matt Miazga currently contracted to? Like, who does he currently play for? And the disbelief people have that he is still technically a Chelsea player after he was most recently on loan at Alavesh, a club where things started very well. And then they got relegated and it was a little less fun for everybody involved. And that took Miazga out of the U.S. men's national team picture. I think that's a great he's one of those guys who's on my list of just like Americans who need to get back to MLS because it's just better yeah. for the national team in theory. And that's really all I care about. It's very, very selfish of me to put that ahead of those players uh, individual career wants and desires. So, yeah, it's it's been a bit of an interesting day. In MLS, but yeah, it doesn't look like the fire are going to be participating much. One of the things uh, that um, I thought was interesting about Heights is is I asked him a very similar question to the one I asked Ezra a couple of weeks ago, where I'm like, Ezra, what you know, what have you learned? What's gone well? What would you change? And Ezra, I asked that in like the me- the weekly uh, news conference that they do, and Ezra answered for the next five minutes about all of the things that he would take back, what he would change, what he's done well, you know, what, what he's learned, how he's grown. It was like, I, and I posted the, as I was deciding how to cut it up for a, a, a web story on CHGO, I decided, you know what, I'm going to post the entire answer because it was that good. So I thought Ezra was very reflective and, and very uh, interesting to listen to. Height said, I don't judge myself. That's maybe for the media to do, but I don't judge myself, but he did like, he, he did judge Ezra and he says, Ezra is doing a pretty good job. A- again, Heights loves Gaston Jimenez. Um, high praise for Gaston. He also says that um, Shakiri has been very good and, and his hamstring injury 
getting better has improved him. And he says, even though we haven't really seen Hyro do much, he says Hyro has been very good too. So he had praise for, for all of his DPs, which I think fans would maybe uh, disagree with at times. I don't think Gaston's been terrible, but I don't know that he's been a DP level. Hyro has barely played because of the hip injury that he was taking drugs for in Mexico. And I do think the fire are doing the right thing there by trying to get him right. And then um, Shakiri has been pretty good the last couple of games, but I don't think Shakiri's had a great season. I don't think anybody would say that, but maybe Heights. So yeah. Hyro um, Torres has like long-term income potential. Like if Hyro comes good, that's a guy who yeah, he's young. I wouldn't say he's a bust or anything. No. Yeah. No. Whereas yeah, like Shakiri, it's, you know, it, he was the only way Shakiri was going to live up to $8.5 million a year is to be an MVP candidate. And he's not been that. So mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if that's the standard we're judging it by, very good would not have been enough. And he's no, been exactly good for a couple of weeks. And if he basically, if he keeps this level the rest of the season and the fire maybe sneak into the playoffs, yeah, then you can maybe say he would have been worth, you know, what Gaston makes at four, five yeah. million dollars a year, but not eight and a half and Gaston again Gaston's a solid Gaston's player. less than that I think Gaston, Gaston's in the two oh yeah sorry five. I'm thinking of his transfer yeah. fee so I, I guess right, my right. point would be that Shakiri, I think is on pace to maybe be worth four or five million dollars of salary but not eight and a half and yeah Gaston's fine but he's not a designated player and I was among those keeping out hope that maybe we would see him get bought out this summer but maybe the fire just don't think they could have gotten a deal done for a significant enough upgrade in a short turnaround time in the summer that they figure it's just better to wait to the off season, which if Gaston Jimenez is still playing for this team in 2023, I think half the fan base might just implode. Yeah. I, I think that he's judged on that DP label. And I don't think that he is as bad as some people think, although there are moments where he doesn't track back, which is, is fun to pick on. Um, he's been he's better good. about that. Like that, that was very yeah. memeable yeah. early in the year. Yeah. Him and Shakiri have kind of been on similar wavelengths of like Ooh. getting it there together. Was Shakiri, more. Had, Shakiri had one over the weekend where he walked his ass back, um, threw his arms up in the air. He's frustrated about something. He was down on the end line, uh, in his attacking third and he walked his ass back at one point. I think he was probably 40 yards offside. Um, just cause he was just not interested in, in, he was mad about something. He was pissed about something. And he's like, I'm not going to get back there and defend now. And that's the kind of thing that annoys me. It really does. Yeah, like, and we're going to talk about uh, the, that game and for a few yeah. minutes in a few minutes. And I, I think I'll, we'll definitely kind of um, maybe pick around a bit. Something that we might be frustrated about with when the fire are attacking that Shakiri might feel similarly about that. Things just yeah. at times aren't quite right. Perhaps, though, Alex, we should do a little bit of business right now. Yes. I think it's time. The best way, Alex, for you to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got even better. See an edge in the game you're watching? Is your favorite team prime for a comeback? Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cashouts. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO. What are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And as I do every week, I have to tell you about OWYN, O-W-Y-N, which stands for Only What You Need. OWYN is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients, and they're allergen-friendly, including being gluten and dairy-free, making them easily digestible. I first heard about Owen from Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who himself follows a plant-based diet. And Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase 
at liveowen.com. That's L-I-V-E-O-W-Y-N.com with the code CHGO20. That's code CHGO20. So join me and Justin Fields in trying Owen only what you need. Pat, we were at that doubleheader this past weekend, the Fire and the Red Stars. Uh, maybe not the game results we wanted exactly. There's a good look at yeah. some of our crowd at the CHGO tailgate. Thanks so much to everybody who that was came a good out time. And said hello. The whole yeah, was, a lot of was a good time. Tailgates, it was like just one giant tailgate that entire parking lot. Yeah, it, it was a it was a party atmosphere. I do love tailgating on top of the Waldron deck. It's a lot of fun. Um, and you're only going to get to do that twice, two more times a season for fire games. Cause the other three are now going to be at SeatGeek. There was another one announced today. The uh, August 21st game against NYCFC is now going to be at SeatGeek because the fire expect the, t- the pitch at, at soldier field to be unplayable as we saw Which, last um, year. against. Yeah. It's a uh, so, counterpoint. Uh, when is it not unplayable? I was going to say some it's, coaches and players in the league would say it's always unplayable. It was pretty bad this last weekend. I'll tell you that they had just laid down fresh sod and probably because the bears needed fresh sod. And there's really no consideration for the fire at that place. It feels like half the time I will tell a funny story about this. Um, The fire locker room was closed because the fire were sharing their locker room with the San Diego wave and the uh, Atlanta was sharing their locker room with the red stars. I think they put a curtain or some kind of divider up. Why, why not? weird well, anyway yeah, I mean, well there's a third locker room there yeah. but the bears wouldn't allow anybody to use that so apparently that that went unused so yeah and you know to... we could have used someone being in club dub i gotta be honest shout out to the last regime hopefully dub. they change that club dub give the rest good there for club me, dub though. next time anyway you were saying pat yeah so uh there's a there was a locker room that was not in use because the uh the, the there's not really i don't feel like Soldier Field and the Park District give consideration to the fire for much of anything there. If the Bears want something, they get it. And so the turf was garbage. Ezra called it sticky. Um, Atlanta had, what, one good chance in the first half? Right at the, the end of the first yeah. half, Tiago Almada, for what they're paying him and what they paid for him. Holy crap, does he have to finish that chance? I mean, it is wide open. Gaga is just laying out his arms and legs because there's nothing he's going to do. The whole defense is beat. All Ahmada's got to do is just lift this a little bit and tuck it into the opposite corner of the net. And he misses it by like five yards. It was just a howler of a miss. And Atlanta did almost nothing before that. And then in the second half, they just didn't seem to give much of a crap at trying to do anything. And the fire, and you talked about this, Alex, the fire, when they, they go forward, they do a weird thing when they get into the final third. Yeah, they so they get everybody kind of forward and they almost set up like they're trying to play basketball. And we use the the case in point for those who watched is the goal that gets disallowed by Shakiri. The fire do this thing where they get everybody real close up and they try to hit these very precisely timed passes toward the end line for someone, one of the usually the three behind the striker. So in this case, Shakiri, Mueller, or Torres, they're looking to time a ball perfectly so that person can get in behind the defense cut it back across the six and create chances. And we saw them do this a few times. The problem is opponents know this and it's really easy to stop. And all you have to do is you have to wait. You just have to wait for that run, wait for that pass to about to come and everyone's just got to step. And the result is that on that goal, I don't think anybody in the stadium really realized because it was kind of hard to tell what happens is Chris Mueller is wide open because he's offside, because the entire defense has realized what's going on. So Shakiri finishes that chance. Everybody goes nuts. It goes to VAR. Mueller's offside, not by much, but just the fire, just they've, they've got all these really dynamic players, especially when Carlos Tehran, not Carlos Tehran, sorry, woof, John Duran, rhymes, tall, young Colombian guys. Uh, when John Duran is playing, it's such a dynamic group of mm-hmm. players, and that works really well. And we've seen it when, you know, those games where Duran scores a couple of goals there's all this movement this pressing but man when the fire getting the attacking third everyone's just kind of standing around and walking and especially on a field that is sticky like Ezra described it just doesn't lead to much of anything and even against a team like Atlanta who can't defend for crap right now and they've got a bad goalkeeper the fire aren't getting almost any shots on target because all you've got to do is bunker and make sure you hold your line 
to maintain an offside trap. You shouldn't be able to get offside trapped within five yards of the goal. That's just shouldn't be a thing, <laughs> but the fire do it regularly. And that goal that gets disallowed was like a particularly annoying example of, man, this should really be a goal. You shouldn't get caught doing this. Yeah, it was, um, it was one where there was that initial, Oh, Shaq scored. And then you, you see the replay and you're like, no, that's not even close. It's definitely getting called back. So there, there was a, and that was the only moment that fans really had to celebrate in either game because that was it, right? There were no, no goals at all in the first game. There was one goal in the Red Stars game and it was scored by the other team. So yes, a 17 year old Jaden Shaw, who had been a member of the San Diego wave for like three days scores for san diego mallory penis is a penalty late on and any energy that was left in that stadium all the air went out of the balloon when uh when kaylin sheridan stops that penalty the red stars i mean this is just a brief aside i'm worried about the chicago red stars if i'm honest um their lack of any defensive depth continues to be really really concerning um, the way they operate in possession is basically just expecting Mallory Pugh to just do it all herself. When you play a team that's got a center back combo of Naomi Gurma and Abby Dahlkemper, that's just not gonna fly. Um, yeah. And, you know, I got, I got kind of excited this week. I saw that Hannah Davison, former Red Stars center back, former Northwestern center back who played basically her entire career as Kayla Sharples' center back partner announced she was leaving Swedish club uh aik yes um which is where she had gone when she left the red stars only for it to turn out yesterday that she signed for rangers in scotland so that feels like a missed opportunity for the red stars who are in desperate need of defensive help right now and and i think it's going to be a a grind for them to maintain their playoff position and it's really just disappointing like as a chicago soccer person you want a day like that to be a great advertisement for the sport and mm-hmm. neither team played in a fashion. That's going to get a lot of neutrals to come back. It is a thing that I feel like every soccer person in this country who is trying to convert other people to be soccer people gets frustrated with because like when you uh, go watch a world cup final and it's zero, zero, um for 120 minutes and goes to pks it's 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 frustrating when there are no goals because that is the thing that they lob at us about why they hate our sport is well there's no scoring um and it's obviously not always true but on saturday it was yeah and and this is up against there was data that came out today the audience for the uh uefa euro final between england and germany Peaked at one peaked at over a million viewers in the United States That's for a insane. women's soccer game in which the U.S. Yeah. were not playing. So there's this really weird disconnect right now. The Red Stars' mm-hmm. attendance is the lowest it's ever been, basically since they moved to SeatGeek, and yet women's soccer broadly is as popular as it's ever been, and only getting more popular going into a World Cup next year. Now, some of this is certainly because the Red Stars aren't exactly marketing themselves particularly strongly or well off the field right now. And there are reasons for that we don't need to get into on this podcast. But, yeah, it's just, again, from a Chicago soccer perspective, it just feels like that team is missing so much right now. Because it feels like the fire struggles, you know, we can look at, oh, man, some of these signings haven't been very good. Some of the money hasn't been very well spent. They've been digging out of a hole for forever and it's just you look at the nwsl right now and angel city are packing bank of california san diego waiver moving into a college football stadium that they're going to probably draw pretty well at it's just you you see these atmospheres in seattle and portland and even what kansas city's got going Uh, and and, and i see someone saying you need more companies to invest in ads and i'll say on that um, you need to call those companies to ask and as far as i'm aware there's very little calling being done right now looking for people to promote the team they're going to play on tv here in chicago this weekend so if you can turn in on wciu channel 26 to watch the red stars this weekend but that was supposed to be a team in market tv deal and this is going to be like the second game they've shown all season so it's just it's it, it you really hope that the the hardcore fans who've supported this team find ways to stick with it even if they don't feel 
appreciated all the time. Um, and I think they will because the the Red Stars fans and those players have a really strong connection, especially the core of that team that's been built up for a while. And I'm rambling a bit here, but I'm just saying, I think when when these days can't be taken advantage of because the soccer's not very good, I think that hurts the Red Stars more than it hurts the fire because the fire have, you know, silly amounts of money and may, there's always the opportunity that they can, in theory, turn things around pretty quickly. We haven't seen we gotta that, talk happen, about, but in theory. In in talking about the the Red Stars and the fire, the uh, I think the overall event was was despite the product on the field good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's especially cool at a Lalo weekend again. to get to get twenty five thousand people through yeah. the door when yeah. Lalo's going on a couple blocks away. That for any event, that's pretty successful. However, um, there was a there's a bit of controversy uh, during the Red Stars game because the Fire decided to hold a, a season ticket holder event where you could meet the players and get photos and autographs from them. Um, I went down there for it at halftime and it seemed like every fire player was pretty much there. Yet even Carlos Tehran, who was hurt, Bornstein wasn't, but he, uh, he has COVID or is on health and safety protocol. Uh, so he wasn't there, but um, basically everybody who had, who had played in the game was down there and there was a long line of fans and, you know, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but then, you know, so people started to say, well, that was disrespectful by the fire to draw people away from the Red Stars. And I can kind of see that point. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. Um, and, you know, you can argue about how much, you know, you blame the club for that, how much you blame the fans, because it, it does kind of stink to see there was a lot of good energy, particularly in the South End um, during that fire game. And. I think that that really it drew that stark line. This is something we knew, Pat, going into this weekend. There is we and it's this is very bizarre. And again, this is for another podcast to dive into why there is very little overlap between Red Stars fans and Fire fans, and that makes no sense. Just broadly, doesn't make any sense. And what we saw very clearly there happen is the people who were there for the Fire, most of not not even know if most, a lot of them filed out and went and waited in a ridiculously long line rather than watching soccer. They spent the entire first half, if not more of that Red Stars games, standing in a line rather than Mm -hmm. watch the other Chicago team that was playing rather than support that team. So part of it is absolutely on the fire. You could have done this any game that's at Soldier Field. I'm surprised they didn't do this a bit further in the season toward the end, kind of as like a thank you to the fans. It's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the but, idea is good. The execution yeah. of the event itself was good. But why are you doing this today? Why aren't you doing this literally yeah. any other time? And it's just, there's this, between the clubs, between the fan bases, there's this weird chasm between these two teams. And Chicago soccer is only going to be at its strongest if everybody's pulling their rope in the same direction, so to speak. And it just, it's like, yeah, I, I, I just, like I would a, like to see a world where, you know, again, not to invoke a very hard standard to match, but look at what's going on in LA angel city, move into that stadium. And the 3252 are there just as strong, just as loud, just as raucous. If they are as they are for LAFC games. So it's possible. You can do it. There's not like some weird barrier. That's the frustrating thing, Alex, is and that's I, we say this on this show all the time. I harp on this all the time, but you know, there are a lot of soccer fans in the Chicago area, and there is a giant disconnect not only between the two teams, the two pro teams, but also uh, between those fans and MLS, between those fans and the NWSL. It's fractured and weird in ways here that it isn't in other cities. I have ideas as to why a lot of people were turned off by the fire for so long and losing and being actively pushed away by, you know, previous administrations there. We'll do that. Um, but um, yeah, and, and there's a whole different thing going on with the Red Stars, obviously, but but it, it can be so much better here. And I will say there were three groups of people in the stands this weekend, there were fire fans, there were red stars fans, and there were Alex Morgan fans. And there were a lot of Alex Morgan fans there. And, but that's, again, this is the thing. And we talked about this before the fire found those out when Chicharito came to town. Mm -hmm. And this has been one of those things that I think the fire is starting to turn the ship on, but it's yes, being good is important, but in a salary capped league, 
where all the big revenue piles, all the big buckets are just split up and handed out to people. Where can you get a margin for you? Like if you're running a business, let's just, let's be really cynical here for a moment. Your margin, the thing you keep, one of the only things you keep all for yourself is your match day revenue. That's yours. And so you got to put butts in seats. And um, not only are San Diego a very good expansion team, Jill Ellis is the head of soccer ops for them, former U.S. Women's yep. National Team coach. And they're coached by Casey Stoney, who used to coach Man United women. So just very qualified soccer people. Um, you know, they knew what they were doing. And they're, they don't, they've got some weird problem with their Nike deal that like, they don't have interesting merch of any kind. But they sell a shitload of it, pardon my French, because Alex Morgan plays on the team. And you look at when, again, when the when the Galaxy come here, Chicharito sells. We've harped before that the Fire didn't sign a Mexican player for 12 years. Despite that, if you were to, you know, ask the question, who was the, I guess, median um, Chicago soccer fan, they're likely Latino and likely root for the Mexican men's national team. It's fair. Yeah. It's there. There's just own goals that you cannot make. And again, Jairo Torres is a step in the right direction. Um, finally investing in the academy and seeing players who are from black neighborhoods and players who are from Latino neighborhoods advance to the academy, get opportunities in the first team, especially for kids who play soccer in Chicago, seeing players on their team who look like them, who are from where they're from. Huge strides being made on the fire side of things in that regard. But yeah, again, it's a lesson. How do you put butts in seats? And, you know, maybe the fire don't or the Red Stars, maybe that's not a top priority, but you, you've got to look at what are the highest attendances for each of those teams games this year. And it is because a star international striker was in the building on the other team. Very, very famous player on the other team. That's true. I think it's time for uh, the points by pick of the week. I don't know. Did you pick one out? I, I have some in mind if you didn't pick one out. Uh, I think I've got a few because I myself, for personal reasons, was um, looking at the betting landscape of the of the premier league this weekend um you know i think i think we can maybe tip our hat to something i said earlier i said i think gabriel jesus is going to be a really good signing for arsenal this year i think he's going to score against crystal palace on friday tomorrow if you're listening to this on thursday today if you're listening to this on friday so i am my my gut instinct is gabriel jesus to be an anytime goal scorer in the arsenal match against crystal palace What's the number on that? What's the line on that right I now? I will have know? to double check because, again, I failed to write it down. Oh, there's the points bet dashboard there. Lord. I got you guys. He's uh, I got it right here. He's plus, plus 150. Yeah. I, I think that's, it's right I there. Think that's oh, good value. That. Um, Crystal Palace are a decent side, coached obviously by Arsenal legend Patrick Vieira. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do without Chelsea's Connor Gallagher, who kind of ran the show for them in midfield last year. Um, but I think just you know, you can't take that much from preseason. It's football. Football is like American football in that preseason basically irrelevant. And we've seen teams win Super Bowls in the NFL who went 0-4 in the preseason. You're but telling me I should not Jesus be excited. Looks really good. Yeah, it's it, that's this is my my whole and I'm sure Lawrence has gone through it, too. This is my whole dilemma. He looks insane this preseason. Arsenal yeah. dismantled Chelsea. In Orlando. And then dismantled and, Sevilla, who like, oh, yeah. yeah, Sevilla sold both of their center backs, which generally bad strategy. Oh, yeah, that's um, probably why they shipped six. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's been it's it's been dangerous because I do not let myself I, I'm past the point of getting excited about the fire. Like, I'm just like mildly amused with the fire. And if they ever do something great. But with Arsenal, I get a little more emotionally invested because I don't know the yeah. Arsenal people. I mean, and, and I'm excited, and that's dangerous because it's going to be. Come on, it's game. It's match one. Arsenal sucks for the last like decade in the first match. See, you guys just matter, have PTSD because like, somehow Arsenal keep getting these Friday night opener matches. And Why does this keep Palace, happening to Arsenal specifically? Palace is a bogey it's, team. They never beat Palace. This is not going to go well. I know they were. They lost at Palace in the stretch of games that they is, needed. To is Palace everyone's bogey team? Because they're also a Chelsea bogey team. It's Patrick Vieira. At least there's that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> by the way, know. uh. Outrights for the Premier League. Um, Man City oh. is minus 150 to win the league. Woof. Yeah, I looked at that today. I'm like, oh, well, that's boring and not worth my time. <laughs> Liverpool's plus 250 and everything gets higher after that. Tottenham's plus 1,000. I'll give you a million. bit of it. I'm going to give you a hardcore bit of betting advice here. 
don't bet on Tottenham to win the league. I don't think they're going to win the league. I think Tottenham is going to run the duopoly closest because Antonio Conte is a very good manager. He's in his second full season there. If you look at the clubs he's been at over the last decade, this is when his teams peak. City and Liverpool, they were just too damn good. Like Harry Kane could score 25, 26 goals, and it still won't matter. If the bet was maybe we'll put the pressure on for a little bit and there will be a DVD commemorating us doing that, then it's a good bet for Tottenham. But otherwise... Don't All right, so what's the points bet pick of the week? What are we going? Are we going with Jesus? Jesus plus one hundred and fifty, I think. Anytime goal, that's goal, pretty good about that. I like it. I like it. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm actually going to do that. I'm actually because I could that, see Alex. it being like a two-two or a, a unfortunately a three-two Palace type thing. I don't know. Palace are such a mystery. Like they could again, they could lose five nil, or Andre Ayew could roll back ten years and score three. Like it's the, you don't know what you're getting. Arsenal opening match. Yeah, again, last year was, Let's do this. was weird. We're here. Sturgey Kanyo's game. There against Brentford. All right, guys. The fireplace Charlotte this weekend. Yeah, let's look at the Charlotte. Let's let's do that. Look at those standings. It's pretty self-evident. This game's important. Well, there you go. Charlotte's in seventh, 29 points. Fire in 10th on 27 points. A a win, depending on what happens with Miami and Cincinnati, would vault the fire into the seventh and final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, which would be a very good thing. A loss would be a very bad thing because this and is I think it's worth noting here, Pat, before we get more into the weeds, this being trade deadline day, what all these teams are doing, new England is fire selling. New England is into the tank. So the new England revolution, they've, sh- I mean, Josie Altador went to Mexico. Um, Sebastian legit went to FC Dallas. I mean, Matt Turner's gone. Adam books is gone. That team is going, that team's going nowhere. Carly Seal's not going to be there next year. Cause he's not going to sit around for that. Uh, DC remained terrible. Like yeah. they're just a really bad soccer team. Cincinnati going for it. Like I said, uh, bringing in Matt Miazga. Um, I think they are headed in the right direction. Brenner is scoring goals, which is like a crazy thing to watch. Uh, Brandon Vasquez might play his way onto the U S squad for the world cup with the way he's currently scoring. So I think Cincinnati is a team to be feared. Charlotte though, they have, had weird turmoil. They fired their manager really early in the season because him and the sporting director don't like each other. Um, their highest paid player, Karol Swiderski, a Polish attacker, has been maybe the worst DP in Major League Soccer this year. And yet, and yet, they are somehow above the playoff line. I don't get it. Bronico. It's the Bronico effect. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he's getting a lot of minutes and he seems to be doing a nice job that, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting because it's the first time the fire have obviously played there. Um, it's it, as far as who I'm, you know, you alluded to this a little bit ago, but the team that I'm most worried about is actually Toronto. Um, I could see Toronto. Going climb. Very nice... It's just a question of yeah. how one, how fast can they climb? And mm-hmm. two, are they going to score enough goals to offset how many they're going to ship? Because I don't think I've ever seen a team in soccer, men's, women's, MLS, Europe, anywhere with an with a bunch of a de- like a split between how good it, the attack is and how bad the defense is. Toronto yeah, is going to have to try to win games five four. That that's why I don't think they're going to get there because that strategy, like it doesn't work. Like no soccer team has ever succeeded by playing that way because eventually your attackers are just going to get exhausted eventually you just turn into what leads united were under marcelo bielsa everybody just runs out of gas and it's like nah that, that's enough of this that's enough of this bs we're done um so i <laughs> don't think charlotte's going to stay there i think i think cincinnati is really the team there to be afraid yeah. of which again is why i dropped points against cincinnati earlier this year could come back to haunt the fire um that being said because i don't think charlotte's going to hang around if you're going to make the playoffs, you have to beat the non-playoff teams. And through right. that prison, right. you've got to beat Charlotte. Exactly. Uh, Miami, what do we feel like? They're on a little bit of an uptick right now, but do we really believe in Miami? Like, that's that's kind of the thing. This is there kind for of the a Toronto situation. Their attack is starting to fire. Um, Julian Carranza, um, that was um, a smart piece of business there. Um, Gonzalo Higuain is scoring goals. Um you know, again, they, they're like under severe financial penalty and it doesn't seem to matter, but I know I, I don't trust Miami. Um, I don't trust a team who says their biggest game in club history is a friendly against Barcelona 
where the coach subs on his son and the owner's son to play in a game where they're losing like nine to nothing. Why not? What's wrong with that? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a six pointer again. Like the, the fire have a lot of these coming up, which is the good news for the fire. If you're going to make the playoffs, you've got to beat the the teams that you're you're directly battling. And, and this is yet another one. Um, do we think they go in there and get a point? How are we feeling? Are you feeling pretty Mauricio Pineda? We know Mauricio's like going to turn center where... back. That, yeah. I feel like this is going to look a lot like the Atlanta game. I feel like it's going to be kind of a drag. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who starts up top. Um, John Duran makes the fire more exciting going forward. And I think opens up the possibilities, but uh, given his behavior this week, I won't be surprised if he is on the bench. Um, mm, interesting. If we see Casper Shabilko instead, um, does Jairo Torres keep his spot? Does Brian Gutierrez come back in? I think for now, I'd rather see Guti be starting and, Hiro in that kind of super sub fresh legs kind of position, whether it's for Gutierrez or Shakiri or, you know, I, on the Shakiri note, I think a big thing for the fire down the stretch, Pat, clearly there's games where Shaq's in and there's games where Shaq's out. He doesn't get subbed seemingly regardless, unless he asked to be subbed. And I think the thing that's going to be really crucial down the stretch is Ezra Hendrickson and those days where it doesn't look like, especially in the second half, that Shaq's fully with it. Ezra's got to be willing to take him off the field because there have been especially if Guti's there on the bench, right? Yeah. There have been games this year where the fire would have been better served with Jairo Torres in for Shakiri with Gutierrez and Mueller. Just down the stretch, there's been that's just been a thing. Or even hey, throw Victor Bezerra out there, give the kids a shot because we've seen these games too many times, like the Atlanta game where it's clear it's not working, and the fire are starting to get to that point in the season where you have to risk losing to try and win. I like that quote. You have to risk losing to try to win. I, I didn't like come that. up with it. I don't know where I first heard it, but that's just, we're at the business end of the season. Like no one cares if you get 1.1 points a game and miss the playoffs by two games, especially I love that. in a market yeah. where we've seen going back to attendance when the fire are good, they draw when they're not, they don't. I, I still think that <laughs> In year three of this rebuilding project, and I know we've rebuilt the rebuild, but at one point, but in year three of this project, the fact that the goal remains just making the playoffs is incredibly frustrating and annoying. It is in the, the league where half the team make half the teams in the league make the playoffs. It is harder to miss the playoffs than it is to make it. And the bar for the fire is still, even at the beginning of the season, when you ask them, well, we think we can make the playoffs. Come on. It's got to be better than this. It's absolutely got to be better than this. And he's spending thing, that kind of money. But the other thing is we can't view the fire sneaking into seventh, which remains very possible. We can't view the fire sneaking into seventh as some sort of, oh, yeah, this is working because seventh eighth this team is still kind of this stagnant it is still clearly lacking that next push push forward and again there's going to be there's going to be big questions this offseason like there's been for several off seasons now maybe you've raised the floor for this team but clearly it's not where hendrickson heights mansueto would like it to be right now and again i yeah. i'm not surprised by the quotes we've heard mid-season whether it's Mansueto whether it's Heights everyone's saying what you would expect them to say and they're going to keep doing that until the season ends regardless of how it goes I do but not expect in the off season yeah. there's got to be those questions asked now what you're at this level you're a mid-table eastern conference team how do you get better than that what are you doing to be better than that and we're going to see down the stretch of this season Pat if the fire are indeed mid-table or if they're closer to still, you know, grasping at spoons down at the other end. Because the, the the opposite type of team, type of club in this league is Seattle, who, you know, they after winning CONCACAF Champions League, they were out of the playoff picture for a while. And you just knew that they were going to get back in it. And they have. They're in seventh right now. They've got a game in hand over, over Nashville, who's in sixth. Seattle's going to make the playoffs. Yeah, they, they don't do. look very good. Like, and they have not played good soccer all year. No. They are injury riddled. But would you want to play that team in the playoffs? I wouldn't. No, no. like it, it, that's the thing. It, it's they're at their worst 
after they won the biggest trophy in, in North American club soccer, they're at their worst and they're still better than the fire who are on a surge right now. It, it's and that it, this, this is not a short term thing. This is not even like an Ezra thing. This is a big picture over the last few years. There have been some, some failures that, that are still enormously frustrating considering you have an owner who's all in and willing to spend whatever. And they've still, it's still not right. And it, it's, I don't think anybody's expecting MLS cup contender every year, but when you can't even make the playoffs, when you're just battling to make the playoffs, you're, you're fighting and clawing your way back in, even if they make it, that's not a sign of success. That's not a measure. If they make it and win a few games, maybe we would call it that right. Or maybe if they go on a huge run and they surge up to fifth or fourth somehow, which they're not going to, but somehow you might call that success, but the bar has to be higher than this. It just does. It's, it's, it's just not good enough. Even and with a start this weekend with beating yeah. Charlotte, even with a 10.4 game run, which is great. You beat Charlotte. Maybe there, there's more to it. Um, but it's, I, and I'm not speaking short term, like obviously short term, they've been fantastic in the last four games, even though you wouldn't say they were great against Atlanta, still 10 points in four games. Great. I'm talking big picture. Maybe it's finally turning the corner for good, but I'll believe it when it actually happens. Yeah. And it's just, there, there needs to at least be some symmetry because, and I, I've marked this out as like the inflection point before the, the, the like the flame, not pardon the pun, the flame went out when Georgie Mihailovic tore his ACL against the New York Red Bulls. That was the high point the club had been at, even though they were kind of, you know, they were great in the middle of the season. They kind of limped into the playoffs, but like that season was something. And then that moment where Georgie's down on the field, crying in the rain, that was the end of it. And it, it, they, that it, it was straight off a cliff after that. And this team has yet to re-return to that point. And uh, yeah, until they do at minimum, it, it's, it's hard to say anything's successful, but Hey, big game this weekend. Hopefully next week, we're talking about 13 points in five games and the fire that's being something. above the playoff line. That that's something. Yeah. That's something I, I would, when you're looking for little victories, I, I I think that that would be pretty great. To at least there'd be reason to believe and have hope. Like if you think about it, this weekend could go sort of like Arsenal. Uh, it could swing in very different directions. If the Fire win this game, you, you, I say the word and you pop up like a genie. Yeah, I know. I'm the Arsenal genie. <laughs> I'm just waiting to hear what you're going to say that is negatively affecting Arsenal. If, if the fire win this weekend, um, I think fans can have a lot of hope. Uh, if the fire, you know, draw or even lose this weekend, a loss would be not catastrophic, just like it wouldn't be for Arsenal. But um, it'd be pretty depressing. Also, a final Seattle note, Brian Schmetzer just confirmed that they were indeed trying to sign Luis Suarez. So that's the kind of club Seattle Sounders are operating over there right now. <laughs> Whoa. So on that note, is he still fire forty million in one pound? Or no? Hmm? Is he still worth forty million don't, in one pound? Don't do that. Don't do that. We don't. You know, I was really rooting for him to go that to LA. Still watch hurts him me. And Chiellini have to walk into a room I, together. I didn't want him anyways. I was like, get him out of here. I was annoyed they even made the offer. Well, hopefully the fire are uh, on don't their like way someone to else. changing their ways. Kind of like Arsenal have been. Arsenal don't do that crap anymore. They actually sign real players now. Yeah. I'm excited, guys. Pray for Bukayo Saka's ankles. <laughs> and also, right, Christian I think Pulisic doesn't play it all the next few months, and it means he's healthy for the World Cup, so be it. <laughs> Bright point. That's true. Yep. Because <laughs> it's not like he's going to miss the roster. So, nope. yeah. We, we don't want a Christian Pulisic soft tissue injury in like late October. That wouldn't be a good yeah. thing. So wouldn't be bad. <laughs> all right. Uh Alex, you usually do the the farewell on this show. You should probably take care yeah, of Yeah, we've uh, we've gone it. a bit long today, but I think it's appropriate given um it was a big weekend last weekend in Chicago soccer. Uh it's but it's a big day in major league soccer with the trade deadline and it's a big point in the season for the fire and it kind of feels like we are now in must win territory as they travel out to Charlotte this weekend. So for Lawrence behind the scenes and for Pat on this remote edition of the CHGO Fire podcast, we will see you next week, hopefully with a win to cover and hopefully 
with more positive things than negative things. Best of luck to everyone's Premier League rooting interests, to your fantasy Premier League teams. Godspeed all, and we'll see you next week.